Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. I hope you all had a terrific All-Star and Olympic break. We are back in action. For a quick little uh, primer, Stephen and I decided to... Well, this is Eric, by the way. I'm Eric. He's Stephen. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do a quick uh, second half, second two-thirds, whatever you want to call it, of the WNBA season. We have maybe... Stephen, how many games are remaining for each team? Like 10? I know one team at least has 13. So I think anywhere between like that you know, 11 to, to 13, 14, something like that. So it, uh, the, the nature of the unbalanced schedule, it's a little bit different for everyone, but you know, somewhere in the low teens. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun because we're going to continue having these teams playing each other twice in a row. It's going to be very strange, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um, so yeah, we're just going to kind of go through each team in any order. I think it's going to be alphabetical and kind of say like what, you know, their playoff status is like what the remaining schedule looks like kind of do a quick rundown of what we've seen from them thus far, what has changed, what we expect to see from them, what we like to see from them. Just kind of dive back into our WNBA content. So are you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. Sorry. I was muted and couldn't get back to the zoom screen. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get started. Let's All start, right. uh, I guess at the top with the Atlanta dream. All right. Atlanta season has been kind of a mess. Uh, I think that's putting it lightly. Uh, there's been a lot of off court drama that has, kind of yet to be resolved, I think. Um, anyway, playoff status, pretty unlikely. Uh, they're one of the teams that are currently slated to miss the playoffs. And uh, I don't know, the remaining schedule isn't too bad. Like they've got three games left against the Sparks, three games left against Phoenix, two against Dallas, you know, team, teams that I think are beatable. Um, but my main question is, will this be enough to get Atlanta into the playoffs? Yeah. And I think, you know, at, at full strength, they've been pretty good, you know, with, with Tip Hayes and uh, Kennedy Carter. And I mean, I shouldn't even say full strength because I think things were maybe even looking a little bit better for them before they got Cheyenne Parker back. And that kind of changed the identity of their defense and, and they'll be missing Parker, um, you know, for the remainder of the season as she announced her pregnancy, congratulations to, to Cheyenne Parker. Um, but of course those minutes are, are likely, to be replaced with uh, an even worse defensive player in Candace Dupree. So um, assigning that I, I don't really think made a ton of sense for Atlanta. I think it made uh, a lot of sense for Dupree as she, sure, ended up, yeah. you know, uh, she'll be bringing even more money than she was originally set to with the storm. But I mean, yeah, th this team is just such a, a franchise in flux right now as you know, they don't have really a traditional front office structure with a, without a GM they're on, for all intents and purposes, their third coach of the season. I mean, for me, I would like to see this team kind of, you know, shift focus and, and kind of look towards the future a little bit more, but, you know, obviously they have uh, spent a ton of money in, in free agency trying to get better now, and it hasn't really helped. Um, how are you feeling kind of overall about just like the Atlanta dream in, in totality? Um, not good. Because you mentioned, you already mentioned uh, the coaching. I mean, they're, they're on their second interim coach of the season. Uh, still don't have a GM, which you mentioned. Very strange. And I agree that they need to be leaning into their future, but their quote-unquote future is currently suspended. Uh, Kennedy Carter still suspended after an entire Olympic break, which is, uh, I mean, I don't want to speculate on that. I'm, I'm not someone who likes to, you know, talk about off-court stuff, but um that's probably not very good especially that, when we you know don't really have all the information yeah it's it's a lot of he said she said uh, a lot of back and forth but what we do know is that kennedy carter still not playing immediately um we don't know why so that in in itself is enough to give me pause about 
what in the world is this franchise doing? I mean, you mentioned like their big free agency acquisition and Cheyenne Parker out uh, for the rest of the season. Yep. Congrats to Cheyenne and uh, her first child expecting her first child. But yeah, I mean, I don't really know what, what direction this team is headed in. Um, Tiffany Hayes also, by the way, I believe is still out uh, for her MCL. Like she'll be back soon, but man, if she's out and Kennedy Carter is out, what, what is his team's identity? Um, you, you think they still want to play small? I, mean, I guess they really have no choice now, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing about what you were saying is, you know, they don't really have a lot to look forward to, you know, not in terms of like, they, they don't have anything, but just like in terms of like young players, right there, they essentially have two building blocks that, that you can expect to be on the team, you know, five years from now or something like that, you know, players under 25, essentially, they have three of them on roster, right. And Kennedy Carter, Ari McDonald, those players essentially play the same position. And then a player who's a pretty useful reserve in Monique Billings. And then after that, you know, the rest of these players are, are in the middle of their prime or, or heading towards their prime with the exception of maybe Courtney Williams, who is only 26. Uh, but even Courtney Williams is, you know, out of a contract after, after this season. So in terms of the encore, yeah, we'd love to see them play a little bit smaller. Um, I mean, it's just not going to happen, right? They, they didn't bring in Candace Dupree to, to not play. Uh, and then they also, you know, still have a traditional center in Elizabeth Williams. I think they'll probably still get Tiana Hawkins minutes, but I mean, for me, and I think you feel the same way, I would love to see this team just play more of Crystal Bradford at the four, less of Crystal Bradford at the three. I think she can be an effective three, but you know, what we saw, particularly like when they go hyper small and it's those Crystal Bradford, Monique Billings lineups at the four and the five, like those teams were just flying around the court defensively, forcing a ton of turnovers. You know, this team in totality is the the third best in the league in forcing turnovers. That pairing when they're on the, the court, you know, they essentially are forcing opponents to turn it over 25% of opponents' possessions, which is just an insane number. Yeah. Um, and, and that number dropped down to 16% whenever Cheyenne Parker was on the court. So, you know, it was just a different defensive identity. And I think, you know, we can expect a, a lot of that same thing, you know, with Candace Dupree taking some of those minutes, you know, she's not exactly going to provide a ton of ball pressure on traps and, and kind of do all those things that, that we really saw you know, when this team was at their best defensively this season. Um, so unfortunately, I think the things that we want to see most, which are playing a little bit smaller, handing over the reins to Kennedy Carter, it seems like the things that are least likely to happen with this team, frankly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not looking good right now for them. Um, I don't really have anything else to say on Atlanta. I mean, I, I definitely agree on the Crystal Bradford at the four stuff, but that almost seemed to me in the first part of the season, like a, like a situational sort of thing like like it was something they went to for a few for a few minutes and then they went back to a bigger lineup or I know they closed games uh with it a few times but like you said if they've got Hawkins in the fold and Dupree in the fold and, and Billings is still there it's gonna be hard to find long stretches where they can do that um and I don't know if that was a Mike Peterson thing or because you know Darius Taylor now uh head coach so maybe he's gonna have a different philosophy I, I don't I don't know but they need to find it uh, they need to fight it and they need to do it quickly because right now it's it's going south for them. Yeah, I, I do have a couple more things to touch on. on okay, this go team. ahead. Uh, you know, one thing that we were really hoping for, you know, with Odyssey Sims, uh, Courtney Williams, Tip Hayes, was that all of these uh, playmakers, all, all of these, you know, um, self-creators, that would lead to uh, an increased off-ball presence for Kennedy Carter. You know, we thought this would really be an opportunity to to grow her off-ball game, I think, 
Nikki Collin had made some comments, you know, before she left the team about Kennedy Carter growing her off ball game specifically this season, you know, she has gone one for nine in total from behind the arc. She has 20 spot up possessions for the entire season, two catch and shoot threes on the whole season. So the, the elements of her off ball game of Carter's off ball game that we were hoping would at least develop somewhat, or, or she would, you know, even if she wasn't knocking down a ton of threes, you know, you were at least kind of seeing some confidence build in that area. And she would prove to, to be an effective off ball player as she's already a great on ball point guard and, and pick and roll player. Uh, we, we haven't really seen that. And uh, I think that is disappointing. And then the other thing I wanted to say is just, you know, I would love to see this team just, just commit a little, I know it's hard because they don't have a general manager and we don't know who the coach is going to be next season and stuff like that. But you know, commit to the rebuild a little bit more, like try to get uh, the, the only players on this team that are under contract for next season are Kennedy Carter, Cheyenne Parker, uh, Ari McDonald's. And then I think Tiana Hawkins on, on an unguaranteed or unprotected contract. So a lot of these players that are kind of valued veterans in the league are perhaps not going to be part of the future. And we'd love to see them, you know, try to get some, some draft capital, uh, for some of those players, you know, whether it's from from Washington or or maybe Dallas would, you know, want to shore up their rotation and they can get like a, a second draft type lottery ticket, like a, a Bella Allery or something, just some opportunity to kind of have some more bites at the apple for players that might be on this team when Kennedy Carter is is really kind of hitting her stride as a, a great point guard in this league. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, well said. And I do think that those expiring contracts are, are something you got to keep in mind. Um, you do have a fake trade that I think you wanted to propose. Do, do you want to say that now or later? Sure. I mean, yeah, it was something that I had for, for the Vegas section as they're a little bit thin at, at the wing, but you know, I thought maybe Vegas would uh, Vegas would receive Tiffany Hayes. Atlanta would receive uh, Angel McCautry's expiring contract, uh, Las Vegas's first round pick this year and Lindsay Allen and then Indiana would receive Atlanta's second round pick for the favor of kind of uh, facilitating some some salary in the way of Tiana Hawkins. So Atlanta could fit in that that extra little bit of money that Angel makes over Tiff Hayes. And, you know, obviously this would be a very uh, contentious move as Angel did not have the, the best uh, uh, final experience in her last days as an Atlanta dream. But, you know, this would really just be for Vegas to kind of push some chips in now, you know, Angel is, is taking up a roster spot. She's, she's coming off Vegas's books this year, you know, for all intents and purposes, Angel would never really have to even go back to Atlanta. Um, so this would be something for Atlanta to, you know, move up a few spots into the, into the first round from a high second round pick uh, Vegas could have some, some more depth at the, uh, at the wing where I think that's kind of their one rotational uh, question mark. Uh, and then Indiana, you know, can just get a small asset for their, for their troubles. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. I, I think it's a, it's an interesting proposal for me because you don't typically say, uh, or you don't, you, you don't typically see the WNBA making flurries of moves at the trade deadline. Like you see in the NBA, particularly regarding expiring contracts. I don't know if that's because up until now, you know, WNBA teams have usually been able to keep their star players or, or their, their players. They've been able to head into the offseason with confidence that they'd be able to lock up those expiring contracts for longer term deals. But that is starting to change now, I think. So, and, you know, Tiffany Hayes, we went into the season wondering, you know, like, what is this wing and guard rotation going to look like? And so far, we have not seen a definitive answer to that. 
So I think it is fair to wonder, you know, Tiffany Hayes, maybe this team's best player, but is she long for Atlanta? I don't know. Washington is another one. They have cap space right now that I think everyone was assuming they're holding on to for Emma Mieseman. But maybe if Emma Mieseman isn't coming over post-Olympics, you know, they can see, you know, what what the interest would be from Atlanta to, um, you know, get get anything to kind of get some more bites at the apple in the future for, you know, a 31-year-old Tip Hayes who, I mean, you know, probably would service a, a really good team better than, you know, where Atlanta is right now. Okay, we need to move on. Yes, um, we do. Heading on to the Chicago Sky. Your Chicago Sky. My Chicago Sky, that's right. <laughs> they dug themselves an early hole in the season uh, with lots of close, heartbreaking losses and uh, injuries and everything that is bad in life. Uh, but they're kind of back in the back in the action. Uh, they're 10 and 10, which is good for the fifth seed, which is kind of funny. Uh, the fifth seed is, is currently a 500 team. Um, and for once, they are fully healthy. However... The other side of that coin is that their remaining schedule is probably the hardest of any WNBA team. Yeah, it's brutal. They, they've got all three left against Seattle. They've got all three left against Vegas. They have some very winnable games and, and get a game against the Dream, a game against the Fever. Those are, are winnable games. So, you know, the, that's that's eight of their uh, 12 remaining games. And then a home game against Dallas, home game against Minnesota at Phoenix and then home game against Washington. So thankfully, you know, some of these kind of 50, 50 games here, a lot of them are coming at home. I think you got to feel pretty good about that, but like what for you, like what is success going to look like in the second half kind of knowing what the schedule looks like? Um, I mean, I think there are two routes. I could look at this uh, two ways. I could look at this. One is just to take one game from each of Vegas and Seattle. Uh, but I'm a pessimist in nature when I talk about that, at least for this season. Um, and then just like win everything else but that may be not realistic. Um, you know, th- this game coming up, you know, we're recording on Sunday. So this game coming up against Seattle, Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart are resting. Uh, and that's, that's official. They're not being load managed. They're, they're being rested. So in the WNBA, you can do that. Um, so that's, that's kind of a, a must win game in my opinion for Chicago, but otherwise, I mean, I- I'd like to see this team get to, I don't know. They're, they're at, they're at 10 wins now. Would, would, would 18 wins, would that be too much? No, I think, I mean, that, that feels kind of best case scenario to me, but in a way that that's attainable, right? Cause that's, yeah. that's splitting those six games against, you know, the, the heavy hitters. So, you, you know, you, you got to assume that Chicago is favored today, you know, from like you were saying the rest for Seattle. So taking one against Seattle at full strength, uh, you know, maybe you go one of two against Vegas or, or some combination of going three and three in those six games, you take care of the bad teams that I talked about the dream and the fever. And then if you can go three and one against those four teams that are also in the mix, you know, home against Dallas, home against Minnesota at on the road against Phoenix and home against Washington, that that's 18 wins. And you know, that it's, it's tough to ask for, but I think if this is the, the team that we think they can be, you know, it, it seems attainable, I think. For sure. For sure. Uh, I mean, the, the rest of this, the rest of the season schedule is scary, but they're not in a horrible position as far as the standings are concerned. Like the, the only, if only like a couple games or a game and a half or whatever separates them between these teams that are like I said, in the hunt in our notes and, and the rest, but I feel pretty good. Like if, if they can split with Seattle and Vegas, I'm thrilled to be honest with you. Um, but in order for that to happen uh, for one diamond to shields needs to get it going. Um, the sky have been 
significantly worse with her on the court than with her on the bench. And I do think there is something to that statistic. Um, I, I'd like to see Ruthie Hebrid play a little bit more. If that's, if that's sacrificing some of a student do falls minutes, you know, so be it. We, we've talked about before that uh, Hebrid has been a much more effective player than do fall uh, this season. And if Stephanie Dolson can keep up this play, I mean, this is a big one, I think, because she is, the sky have been very, very poor offensively as, as we all expected, right. Heading uh, for the most part of the season. And Dolson is a player who can kind of unlock a lot of that, particularly with their backcourt. Um, if she can stay on the floor. And, and the other thing is, you know, their Chicago's wings, particularly when Quigley is, is on the bench, like they don't have great spot up shooting from right. the wing position. So having a power forward in the center and Dolson and Parker who can kind of make up for some of that with their floor spacing, you know, if Dolson continues to play as well as she has defensively, it makes it so much easier for everything else offensively. Right. Um, so Steven, are the sky good with a capital G or, or just a lowercase G? I mean, I think they are good with a capital G, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard to, to know, really. like they have, you know, they, they lost three out of four before the break. Right. And I think you still kind of feel good about it. You know, you look at them and, and since Parker comes back, has come back, they have a, an over seven net rating, which is, is outstanding. But then, you know, you kind of look a little deeper, you got those two blowouts against the Liberty that are kind of inflating it. So um, I, there, there's so many inconsistencies, I think. And uh, a lot of that does start with, you know, diamond to shields and then, you know, the, the bench front court rotation. And I mean, I think we're, we're coming to this point, entering this part of the, the season where James Wade has more options on his bench than, you know, everybody is available now in a way that hasn't really been the case at all. So what he's going to do, I mean, is it still kind of experiment time in terms of like figuring out, you know, the back end of that rotation, you know, which, which bigs are going to um, kind of solidify as the third and fourth big off the bench, uh, you know, which of Lexi Brown and uh, Dana Evans is going to be the, the primary, you know, backup point guard, I guess. Um, like for, for you, is it still, you know, is it still okay to kind of experiment with that, knowing that there's more options than ever, or are you kind of looking for them to, to come out of this break, knowing what the the end of that rotation looks like? I would like them to know. Um, I think experimenting time. I mean, geez, it, I don't think they're in a position where they can experiment because they're going up against some very good teams in games that they pretty much need to win. Maybe if maybe they can kind of play around with it down the stretch against some of those worst teams if if they if they earn themselves that luxury if I can say it that way but I, I don't know man it, honestly if there's one if there if there's one area they can experiment in it's on the wing for me it's giving Quigley more minutes into Shields fewer because that is something that has that was more effective before the break and if you're the back end of the bench I'm just not worried about it is that fair. Yeah, sure. I don't I, think I, I don't think the back end of the bench is like I don't think that's going to be the difference between them, you know, backing into the playoffs and, and securing a solid fifth or sixth seed. I don't know. I, I think I, I'm not as sure. You know, I think playing like too much a stew at, at the expense of Ruthie Heber, like that might be something where in those eight minutes a game, it, it kind of oh that makes yeah 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 difference. yeah for sure for sure. Sorry, I thought you meant just like the backup point guard. Oh no, so yeah, just kind of like you know outside of, I guess, Quigley's spot as a bench rotation, like everything else seems to kind of be like, you know, who over Stevens, Hebert and, um, a stew and do like, which, which 
of those players are going to be kind of like your, I mean, one of those players probably isn't really going to play at all. You know, mm-hmm. you, you don't really play five bigs a game essentially. Right. Unless you're, well, not even Vegas, not even Vegas. All right. Um, okay. Moving on. Uh, we need to move on. We did my team. Let's do your team. Connecticut sun. Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, okay. I mean, this team is much better than I thought they were going to be even with a, a blowout commissioner's cup loss. Um, I think doesn't count though. Doesn't count. I I think, you know, things have kind of come back to earth for them a little bit. They haven't been as, you know, world beating over the past, you know, six weeks or so of gameplay as they were, you know, to start the season. Um, I mean, the thing that worries me about this team that in terms of like being a true championship contender, which I I think they're just kind of one half step back from that is the same thing that's that always has kind of uh, I think plagued this team. And that's just having enough offense from, you know, your, your, I guess your perimeter players as a whole, you can include Bonner in that. I know she, she scores some points and she's kind of slightly above average in, in her uh, efficiency, but you know, the Bonner self-creation can look pretty ugly at times. January and Jasmine Thomas really don't give you anything in terms of self-creation. Uh, they're when things are really going well for them, they're, they're plus spot up shooters. So what do you think about Connecticut? Do you, do you consider them like a, a legit title contender? Uh, every time I say no, I, I end up looking stupid. So I'll just say, yeah, uh, I, I do think they're, they're still on a different tier from Seattle and Las Vegas and maybe even Minnesota, depending on how things shake out for them. Uh, but I mean, I, they, they've clearly figured out a formula that, that can keep them in contention. Uh, and I don't see any reason why that, I mean, the, the thing that I do agree with you on is, is, is the spot up shooting is the offense, the, the make the makes or the misses, the make or miss league sort of stuff. Um, that has come back down to earth. And if that doesn't go their way in a few games down the stretch or a few key playoff games, I mean, that could very, very well be what sinks them. Um, that's, that's basically it in a nutshell. I, I think, I think this is a pretty straightforward team to assess though, in that their identity is that they will play harder than you. They will get more rebounds than you and they will uh, play very, very, very fundamentally sound defense. Yeah. And I think, you know, the one, wild card in in what they could or could not do is you know maybe if they start closing some games against uh good good teams with Natisha Heideman rather than Brian January and I think Brian Brian January is a, a great player uh, uh she's still one of the premier I think defensive players in the league particularly kind of um you know running around screens and and kind of doing some of that uh trail lock defense and, and stuff like that but I just think you know, against the best teams. And this team is, is really one of kind of two different identities when they are uh, the starting five with Bree January, you know, they are a pretty good offense and an outrageous defense. And you have those same four starters with Heidemann rather than January. And they're, they're a great offense and a, and a really good defense. So it's kind of, you know, I feel like coaches always just tend to go with defense uh, at the expense of offense a lot of times, especially when things are getting tight. Um, but Heidemann just gives you three point volume, uh, and willingness, you know, 65% three point attempt rate, you know, she's averaging seven threes per 36 minutes compared to, to three threes per 36 minutes for, for Bree January. So when things I think, and, and we saw this, you know, a lot during, um, the, the Vegas series in the bubble last year was, you know, Vegas was just daring Bree January to beat them. And obviously that was a different pre-January where, where she was coming off an, an injury and COVID and, and stuff like that, where, uh, you know, maybe she just didn't have her legs under her, but 
you know, she hasn't been a great shooter this year and, and not a super willing one either with uh, an incredibly low usage. So, and for January on the season, you know, she's taken 41 threes and 43 two point jumpers, you know, 15 feet and out. So you, you just look at her shot diet as a whole, when she is taking them up more often than not, they're just kind of the worst type of shots you can take essentially just long two point jumpers. So is there any chance this happens or am I kind of way off base and thinking that this should be something they explore and just kind of see how it goes? No, I don't think you're off base at all. Uh, January. I mean, she's a tremendous defender and it's interesting because you're weighing like acceptable offense with, with tremendous defense or legitimately good offense versus good defense. Uh, they, they certainly aren't as good defensively with, with uh, Heidemann versus January, but offensively, you're right. I mean, no one is really respecting Breon January anymore, whereas Heidemann does bring that extra element that will be so valuable to them in these, in these games that are going to be slowed down and, and kind of a knife fight down there. So, and, and the I, other thing is, is like, like the gap between Heidemann and January defensively is huge. But when you look at like the rest of this personnel, like Jasmine Thomas, John Quell Jones, Dewana Bonner, Bree Jones, like that is really great structure defensively to have Natisha Heidemann be, you know, your, your quote unquote weak link there. Um, so that, that's what another element that kind of makes me, you know, push in the favor of offense a little bit more. You, you have more than enough to make up for it everywhere else. Okay. And you did have a, a lineup change or a rotation change proposal, correct? Uh, yeah. I guess the other thing is, is just kind of, not necessarily removing Beatrice Mom Premier from the rotation, um, but specifically, you know, I think the Mom Premier John Quo Jones lineups, you know, there's at least a little bit of a theory. Those those minutes can survive, but I I don't think when you are removing JJ from the court, the Beatrice Mom Premier Bree Jones lineups, like those have to go. I think there's there's just no theory to them at all. There's no way you're going to be able to score with those two players on the court together. I think this probably will happen come playoff time. Um, you know, I, I think Kurt Miller won't make this adjustment in the regular season. Um, but I would, you know, maybe just kind of shift a little bit smaller in these minutes. Um, you know, put Dewana Bonner at the four when JJ's out there, if Bree Jones is still in the game or, or if JJ's on the bench, excuse me, and, and Bonner is still in the game and Bree Jones is still in the game. Um, and just kind of make a stylistic adjustment rather than kind of sticking to playing with two completely non shooting bigs or, or, you know, paint bound bigs, you know, Bree Jones is, you know, stretched out to 15 or whatever, but it's still incredibly tight. And, and this isn't a team that, you know, relies on a lot of dribble penetration from their guards. Anyway, it's not like Jasmine Thomas is, uh, you know, commanding a spaced floor and getting to the rim or anything like that. But it, it still, I think just makes everything else so much more difficult when you have those two players together, kind of clogging things up. Is that something he wants to do though? Because I believe Miller is on record saying like, Heading into the season, we knew we had to play slow in order to accommodate Bree Jones. So, I don't know. I think um, it's going to depend on who they play. If they if they run into Vegas again in the postseason, which would be which would be kind of funny, uh, then I think they will stick with these big lineups. Um, if not, though, I agree. Uh, I would like to see more Bonner at the four. But you know, she's gonna she's gonna play her thirty four to thirty six minutes a game, no matter what. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess it's a matter of who, which bench players minutes are sacrificed. And I think it is Montpremier's. Yeah. And you know, JJ's minutes when we get there is going to be uh, interesting as well. Cause if, if memory serves like those 2019 playoff runs were, you know, it was, it was Jasmine Thomas and Alyssa Thomas playing just like insane minutes, obviously Alyssa Thomas, you know, 
the extreme example of that going, you know, the, the full 40 in a lot of those games, like JJ's minutes kind of stayed pretty consistent from what we saw in the regular season. So if she's able to amp that up a little bit more come playoff time, obviously it just makes things a lot easier, but uh, let, let's move on to the next team here, the Dallas wings. How are they looking from a schedule perspective? Um, I mean, they're in the hunt right now as, as far as the standings. Uh, they're currently the ninth seeded team, but I mean, they're, they're a half game out of the, out of the playoffs right now. And I think heading into the season, we expected them to be kind of in the hunt there, or at least I did. Our remaining schedule is favorable. Uh, they only have one game remaining versus Vegas and two versus Connecticut. They already played Seattle three times. And uh, they've only actually got one game. Um, those are the only games, rather, that they have against teams that are currently above 500. Like the rest, uh, they've got two games against Atlanta, two games against Washington, which would be big in determining playoff seeding because those are, those are the teams or two of the teams they're going to be fighting against. Um, the question I have, like they're in a good spot, even though they're currently on the outside looking in, I think they're in a good spot to make a run the rest of the way. What is the approach here? Because you know they're a young team, you know they're a, a rebuilding team. You know it seems like the Wings have, have been rebuilding forever, but what? what are they going to do with these, with these, with these rotations the rest of the way? Because we know Vicki Johnson is kind of playing musical chairs with her lineups. Um, if, if they, if things stay the way they are right now, and they're like a half a game out say with a few games to play, is Vicki Johnson going to go for it? Is she going to shorten her rotation or is she going to continue, you know, messing around with Ryan Jefferson starting, you know, a lot queer playing like four minutes, Bella Allery playing like six minutes. What, what was this? Kind Charlie of Collier, you know, starting and yeah, your number one overall pick uh, getting the Keith Bogans and, and, and playing four minutes and then never seeing her the rest of the game. Like, it's, and then it's 22 so minutes the next game and then yeah. back to six minutes, the following game. It's, it's been a wild ride. I think for Dallas, particularly, you know, for fans who wanted to see some, some development and were excited about Collier in a walk and, you know, the young, the young pieces that this team has, um, you know, for all the, the lineup inconsistencies, they do have, you know, a, a core of five players that are consistently getting 20 plus minutes. And, and maybe even that should be higher uh, in terms of, you know, maybe closer to 25, 30 plus minutes in Arike, Alicia Gray, Kayla Thornton, Sabali, Harrison, like those players are, you know, when they've been around are, have been pretty consistent in terms of, you know, getting the minutes that they need to get. You know, I think Gray is maybe a little bit lower than she should be from a minute perspective. Mabry had been in that group mostly, but, you know, she's gotten even her, she's had, you know, seven or so games under 20 minutes. Um, I think she played, what did she play? 10 minutes in the last game before the break against Vegas, something like that. So um, typically this type of team, you know, I'm, I'm more in the camp of like, you know, you know, don't push too hard, you know, don't, don't, I guess, throw everything away to get the eighth seed. Um, but this team is, is kind of different than most of those other teams. Cause they have that extra lottery ticket from Los Angeles, which is almost certainly going to be a lottery team. Um, so, I mean, push it all in, you know, I, a walk's not playing anyway. Collier, um, hasn't really been good. So if it, I, I think once Vicky Johnson kind of figures out who those go-to players are, like ramp those, those minutes up, I know who I think I would lean on and it would be more, more Harris than, Jefferson, I think definitely more Mabry than Jefferson or Harris. Um, obviously things are a little bit different now with, you know, we don't know how long Sobley will be out with an Achilles injury, but it doesn't sound too serious. I mean, Achilles can be kind of finicky and, you know, it's not something like a a muscle that's really gonna, 
um, just kind of heal on its own, unless it's a complete tear that requires surgery. You know, I, I don't think Achilles injuries are, are really quite that way when it's just sort of like a, a wear and tear type um, smaller injury. So that, that might be something to be concerned about, but, and the other thing that should be mentioned is, yeah, they're on the outside looking in, but this has been a, a positive team. Like they are a plus in net rating. They've gotten some tough luck in close games. I think they're, uh, you know, 10th or 11th or something in clutch net rating uh, for whatever that's worth. And they've played a lot of those close games and, and obviously have lost a lot of them as well. So, um, you know, that that's kind of, I think, just, you know, a symptom of maybe being a young team and, and stuff like that. But if, if I'm this team, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking at the playoffs for sure. And maybe even hosting a first round game. Okay. And that, that clutch uh, metric is interesting because they're, they have one of the uh, most clutch players as she's become known in Enrique, um, one of the most clutch players in the league whose numbers actually do get significantly better in the clutch, but, uh, but, but you, that, that's offensively. And I think Enrique has been a disaster defensively. You think she's even, in bad. Okay. May, maybe even worse than she had been her first two seasons. Yeah, you know, this team, they don't really have, can they get stops in the clutch? I don't even know, like, what their best defensive lineup is in some of those close games. Like, I think, you know, Thornton, Thornton. Thornton's got to be out there. Sobley's got to be out there. But, I mean, conventional wisdom is you play bigger for defense, but I don't think Harrison is necessarily this this great defensive player. So maybe it is just Sobley at the five, but then, you know, you risk getting killed on the board. So I mean, I, I, I mean, I mean their biggest, their biggest defenders are the ones that, that play the least. So it's like, that doesn't make yeah. any sense. Um, and also regarding Sabley, like this Achilles injury just popped up yesterday or something. And we don't know the extent of it. So um, I know you're, you're a big fan of teams not disclosing information with their injuries. <laughs> that, that really sucks. Uh, we hope Sabley uh, is okay. All right. Um, moving on to the Indiana fever. Uh, this should be, this should be quick and painful, painless, whichever you want to, However you want to look at it. Um, playoff status, they're not making the playoffs. They did win three games, three games in a row heading into the Olympic break. Yay. But um, that improves their record all the way up to four and 16. Um, the remaining schedule isn't really bad, but I don't care. Like they have three games versus Minnesota all in the spend of one week. Very cool. Three games versus Phoenix, two versus Sparks. So like, I guess theoretically they could make their final season record look not horrible, but let's be honest, Steven, this is, this is the worst team in the WNBA and um, it's not getting any better. Yeah. And this is not a team that has had some bad luck in no. close games. Like they are a full four points worse per 100 possessions than any other team in the league. This is, you know, they, there, there's really no competition for who is the worst WNBA team in 2021. It's, it's the Indiana fever. Um, and, you know, all the things that, we didn't like about their off season have really just kind of uh, come together and, and reinforced why we didn't like them. Right. That the three-year deals for all the vets that weren't going to help kind of a, a middling team win games now, well, they haven't won games now and they've got all those players for, for a long time after this so much, I think about what has gone, you know, not as strong as previous seasons with, with their best player, Kelsey Mitchell is just kind of going away from some of the things that, I thought made her season special last year and putting too much of, of her, like too much in her hands as a, as a creator and not as much as a play finisher. And that's challenging when you're going from Julie Alamon to D Rob, right? Like it's just, it's just a different thing. Mm -hmm. You you don't really have the same kind of uh, floor spacing that Alamon brings you the, the same type of 
Um, I mean, D Rob is a good passer, you know, if you're just looking at an, an assist type numbers and stuff like that, but it's, it's a real different feel from the game and kind of what she does and doesn't bring. Um, and so that, that has resulted in, I think a lot of Kelsey Mitchell, just having the ball in her hands a lot. And, you know, she, she's running a lot more pick and rolls this season and, and that's driving down her efficiency. She's getting out in transition less this season somehow, even though Indiana was like the worst transition team in the league last year, Mitchell is, is getting out in that even less. Her spot up frequency is down. Her three point uh, attempt rate is, is at a career low. So, um, and that hasn't even translated into increased playmaking. She, her assist numbers are not spectacular at a career low in assist percentage as well. So, but the other thing is, is like, she just hasn't been able to get good. Like, I can't think of a time where Kelsey Mitchell just got an open three point shot. You know what I mean? Like that's just not something that's going to happen with this team. Cause they don't have any other players that you have to respect there. When you can just focus all of your attention on one player, not shooting a three, it, it's pretty easy. You know, she'll still get them up, but they're just not going to be good looks. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're a defense, are you giving Kelsey Mitchell an open three? I'm not. No, I mean, yeah. And, and you, you can sell out to stop that because right. nobody else is going to hurt you from there. Um, so, I mean, the, the Breland Lavender starting combination, like that's another thing that, that just has to go. Like this team is almost a respectable offense when Tierra McCowan actually plays and they're just a disaster when she, she's not in the game. So why they have kind of stuck to their guns and, and not consistently started Tierra McCowan. Um, I mean, and I'm not even like the biggest Tierra McCowan fan, but look at your other options here. Like, yeah, we've been we- very critical of McCowan, but I think, I think this team is clearly better with her on the floor. And I think she has improved a little bit at, at what we've, uh, I mean, she's still going to be bad defending the pick and roll, but I mean, she's committing fewer fouls uh, and she's just undeniably better than, than, than any of their other options, especially when it comes to rebounding the ball and, and getting the free throw line. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you may be in luck because Lavender is apparently injured. Um, you know, they use the hardship exception to sign uh, Emma Cannon, but I don't think that's, that's going to cause a big dent in the rotation. But I mean, for me, for this team, it's like they obviously need to commit to the tank, but some of their tanky components aren't even there right now. Like Chelsea Perry injured her knee, no specifics. So that sucks. Uh, Kaiser Geinersick, they're, they're, we, we didn't great. get specifics about an injury. No, they just said knee injury. Oh, I, I can't believe That's, it. Isn't that great? Yeah. Um, Kaiser Geinersick is not with the team due to a personal matter. Um, Lauren Cox already got traded. So it's like, what's going to happen? Oh, hold on. No, she got released. Oh, she got released. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't bad. even get my anything bad. from her. Yeah, they got nothing uh, as, as much as they, they may have wanted to. Um, so it's like, are, are we really going to get 30 plus combined minutes of D-Rob and Lindsey Allen in the backcourt on a, on a five or six win team? It's just such bad process. And it's just so boring. Yep. That's the thing is it's not only bad process, but it's also very boring. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's not even a, it's not even a, a team like, like for instance, Dallas, like they're, they're a young team that's obviously growing and going to make some stupid mistakes, but you feel good about the future and you feel good about watching a, a young, exciting team develop. That is not the case here. Yeah. It's a bummer. And so much of this carries on to the following season and the season after that. Yep. And that I think is the most painful part of this is you've committed to, you, you've made it harder to kind of do the things that good tanking teams should do. Um, but, you know, they might just get the number one pick anyway and, and things will look better. But um, the, the process has, has been tough. I, for you, I meant to look this up and, and maybe we'll, we'll talk about it at a different time. But 
is it is it time for a regime change? Like, uh, I'm, and when I say I meant to look this up, I just mean like the totality of the Tamika Catchings era. Um, but how, like, you you can't be feeling good about what she's done in the front office. But does that mean it's time to change, or, or are we still okay with giving her some more time? I mean, what I worry about with this is that she has such you know high prestige in the Fever. Uh, I mean, Indiana and around the league in general, right? Um, it, it could be something like it could be a situation where, uh, like, you know, she gets quote unquote promoted again and just leaves the GM duties to someone else. Um, like, you know, like a restructuring of the front office. I will tell you for sure that I don't think Marianne Stanley is going to come back next year. Um, because I mean, you need somebody to kind of put this all on. And while this may not be Marianne Stanley's fault, I don't think she's done a, a bang up job either. And I mean, you can't be like this bad and, and, and then bring this, this head coach back. So um, I do think there's time for a regime change. I, I just don't know how far the organization is willing to go when one of their most storied figures is the one heading it up, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think best case scenario is does probably just end up in a, uh, a reshuffling and, and catching moves a little bit more away from kind of basketball operations. And, and, you know, it sucks to say, cause Tamika catchings is, you know, what, one of the greats, but there's so, so much of it has been bad process, you know, yeah. you know, taking Lauren Cox over Kennedy Carter, you know, that's, that's a bad draft pick. Right. But that, you know, bad draft picks happen this off season, I think was what really kind of, you know, being so far from the reality of where you were as a team, I think kind of makes things that, that much more painful, but we can move on. Let's move on. Let's move on to a team that's actually good. Uh, the Las Vegas aces playoff status. Looking good. They're currently the number two uh, overall seed. I wouldn't be shocked if they if they snuck into the number one overall seed again. Remaining schedule is actually quite favorable because they've already used up all of their games against Seattle. They've only got one remaining versus Connecticut and Minnesota. Um, this is pretty straightforward, uh, Stephen. Aces remain one of the best teams in the league, and I don't think there's any reason to expect that they won't finish as such. No, I don't think there's there's too much to really talk about. One thing I I would like to see from Vegas is maybe. You know, the, the one question mark I think you have with this team is kind of the small forward depth, what you're getting from the three. Really no player on this team plays minutes at the three outside of Jackie Young and Dierica Hamby. And both of those players are great, you know, all-stars, borderline all-star, all-star consideration type players. Um, but there is still, and I think you're kind of, you're lying to yourself if you don't acknowledge it. There's still questions of who Jackie Young is as a playoff player against the best teams in a five-game series. Um, you know, she's she's been awesome in the regular season, and some of that may carry over, some of it may not. Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure, but I think one thing I would like to see is just them experimenting a little bit more with maybe their three-guard lineup, playing Plum, Gray, and Williams all at the same time. You know, Chelsea Gray has the size and experience as you know, a functional three who runs the offense. Uh, she, she did that for a long time um, in LA when teams could afford to like just hide their point guard in someone else and, and have their small forward guard Chelsea Gray in, in a way that teams aren't really doing as much in Vegas. But, um, you know, you just, Hamby being the only other three, like, yeah, the, the three big lineups are, are going to be good, um, but there might be, you know, situations where that's not your best option, or, or even if it's working, you know, you can't, there's a minutes ceiling for the three big combo, uh, particularly, you know, with, we'll see where Cambage's minutes come playoff time. So, so try to just kind of get a feel for what that lineup can do. I don't think it'll happen because, 
you know, Bill Embiid coaches the Las Vegas Aces. Yeah. But um, that would be one thing that I would I would love to see just kind of for optionality's sake when you know when push comes to shove and and maybe Jackie Young just kind of isn't isn't there as a playoff player. And that's definitely pot. I mean, teams are just going to ignore Jackie until she proves that she can hit the three point shot until she proves that she can take the three point shot. Um, and this is something that the aces just didn't have last year. And that's uh, Plum's playmaking uh, Chelsea gray being Chelsea gray and, and Raquan Williams shooting. So they do have options there and ways they can space the floor and optimize their best players. It's just a matter of, will they do it? Uh, I think it'd be cool if they did, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't, I don't have anything else, honestly, on this. Thing. Yeah. I mean, we already talked about the, the fake trade. Uh, you know, the, the thing about 12 teams is there's, there's not really a lot of options for them to improve that wing depth, but um, yeah, let's move on to the, the sparks. I think this might be another quick one as well. Okay. Uh, sparks playoff status. I had them as unlikely, although the remaining schedule is pretty favorable. I think um, they've got three games against the dream and two games against the fever. Like if they somehow go, I don't know, like four and one in those games, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Um, I think they could be in decent shape to maybe back into the playoff. I mean, they've been bad this year. Don't get me wrong. They've been bad. Um, I mean, there's plenty of reason to, to dump on them, but there's also some reason to be optimistic because they've got those somewhat easy games coming up. They've also got the Aguma case coming back. Um, but in what capacity, I'm not sure because they're both, I believe coming off knee injuries. Correct. Yeah. And I think, uh, NECA will be available right away coming from the break. Uh, she will have played in the game Sunday by the time people are listening to this. Shanae, I think, is still going to be out. Um, but honestly, you know, nothing about as good as Shanae is as a player, like this team's fortunes aren't really going to return, like change with Shanae as much as, you know, with NECA. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this team is just not good, particularly on offense. Like they, they, they're able to continue manufacturing offense through their defense, which is fun, but it also puts into perspective just how bad they've been in the half court. And they've also not been able to, one thing that looked at uh, shocked me when I was looking at this, they're 10th in the, in the WNBA in pace. That's not going to, that's not conducive to winning for this team. Like they're not a team that can afford to play slow because it just magnifies their weaknesses in the half court because they are a dead last in true shooting percentage. Yeah. And they're dead last in offense. They are the worst offense in the league. 91.1 points per hundred possessions Horrible. offensively. Um, a full two and a half points worse than the Indiana fever. Uh, so that that's not great. Um, and I think, you know, even if they can get out in transition and they do force a ton of turnovers, um, they things in the half court, I think grind to a halt so much that it, it does drive down their pace, even if they're able to get out and get out in the open court at a, at a pretty decent rate. But, but with that being said, like you laid, you laid out their, their schedule a little bit, like they definitely have some winnable games. And I think this team could make a run relative to where they are. I yeah. think, you know, six of their games, you got to look at it as definitely winnable, right? Um, the, the three against Atlanta, the two against Indiana, they have a road game coming up against the Liberty. You know, I think the Liberty are, are probably a better team with, uh, with Howard and Allen back, but I mean, they're, they're right there at the bottom of the net rating standings as well. So I uh, definitely don't want to chalk that up prematurely as uh, a given for the Liberty. Um, they've got the six games remaining that you got to believe they would be heavy, heavy underdogs. Three against Connecticut, uh, Washington on the road, Minnesota on the road, late game against Seattle. Uh, but this team really has no reason to, to tank, right? They're out there first round pick. So 
I could definitely like see them winning a couple games, you know, feeling good about themselves a little bit more than they were early in the season and maybe playing spoiler the last game of the season against Dallas. Do you think that's the best case scenario? You don't think they can, they can back in because the odds are against them. I, I, I don't really see. I mean, I just, I think every team above them in the standings when you're, better. is better, you know, maybe, maybe things go South for Atlanta and that's the one that, but in terms of, you know, the, the four teams, I guess, uh, you know, Washington, Phoenix, Dallas, New York, all those teams you you got to think are, are just from a talent perspective. Um, those, those four teams are kind of fighting for the last three spots, Washington, Phoenix, Dallas, and New York. And mm-hmm. all of those I think are, are much better from a talent perspective than LA. Right. Yeah. It's gonna be hard for LA to leapfrog Dallas uh, for sure. So, um, okay. I think we need to move on here. Uh, going on to Minnesota, they're, they're looking pretty good. You know, they got after that rough start early in the season. Um, but in case you forgot, they won seven straight games heading into the break. So they have to be feeling pretty good about themselves. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like. And they the, had a rough go of it too with injuries. Yeah. And, and the whole, you know, people aren't talking enough about kind of thing is tired, but like, I feel like the seven game win streak was a little quiet, you know, they, uh, and they, they were monsters from a, a net rating perspective. I think they were number one in the league in, in the last few weeks of um, before the break. Uh, is there any, any concerns you have about this team? Health. Uh, Ariel Powers has been hurt for most of the season, most of the past two seasons, actually. Uh, Crystal Dangerfield hurt her shoulder right before the break, if you recall. Sylvia Files is just old. Uh, no offense, but she's old. Uh, she's still great. But uh, And then Natalie Shano and Jessica Shepard have been banged up as well. You know, we liked their depth heading into the season, and that's one of the main reasons we were high on them as a championship contender, I believe. That's really been stretched to the limit. So... I don't know. Do you think this team can still win a championship if like powers and danger field or continue to be out? I, I don't really think that this team, and I mean, you know, Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson both get hurt on the same day, like maybe, but I, I think they're a step below those other teams. Um, you know, they have maybe the best coach in the league. And I think that that's helping them kind of propel themselves back up to where they need to be. Um, I think, I think they're probably, you know, should be favored to get that, that single buy over Chicago. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I think Chicago, I like their, their playoff ceiling, maybe a little bit more than Minnesota um, and Dangerfield. You know, she is coming back. She, she's not listed on their injury report for today. So that's good. Powers is still going to be out for a little bit longer. We'll see how she, what role she comes back in. And when she comes back to that role, I, I can't point to one definitive reason why i just i don't think that they are that that kind of top spot you not know high-end talent i i guess but you know they do have nafisa collier and and sylvia Fowles who are both top 10 players you know that that's two players and that that should be in you know any anyone's kind of top 10 lists that that's as much as you can ask for really um they have good complementary pieces around those players uh so but for some reason i maybe it's just kind of um you know, high-end perimeter talent, you know, Kayla McBride is great, but she's just not quite that, that Jewel Lloyd type of guard, you know, Lasia Clarendon has been awesome, but still, you know, kind of a step below where the best point guards in the league. Right. Uh, so, I mean, they, they have, I think as deep of a functional rotation as just about anybody, but there, there's something missing for me that I can't quite put my finger on in terms of like full championship 
contention. Okay. And, and, and you put that well. Um, what is interesting to me because despite all that, like we, we got to go back, they have won seven straight games and that's, that's, that's really awesome. So can they keep that momentum? Like, is this going to be a case of uh, like the extended break kind of killing that momentum? You know, other teams, other teams resting up, other teams getting healthy or, or what, but um, yeah, I agree. Minnesota should be favored to, to get that final, you know, that, that final one game by, or maybe even uh, bump past Connecticut. If, if all yeah, I mean, they're, well. they're only uh, one game back in the loss column for both Connecticut and Vegas. And yeah. you know, the, there's a difference in games played there, but it, it's still noteworthy for sure. Okay. So watch out for Minnesota uh, as always um, moving on New York Liberty uh, Stevens, other team. I'm still jealous of those tickets, by the way, uh, they're in the hunt. It's an interesting case here because you know, they started out well, um, then they had some injuries and they had some really bad losses. And we kind of have to wonder what their record versus their net rating looks like. But also keeping in mind, they got a couple of key pieces back now in Natasha Howard and Rebecca Allen. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a team, they are, they're sixth in the standings, right? At 10 and 11 and they're 10th in net rating and they're 10th in offense. So, uh, as many have put it when, when it goes well, they win by three. And when it goes poorly, they lose by 25. So, I mean, what, what does that mean? And granted that a lot of that is without Natasha Howard, um, who arguably is their, their team's best player. I think, uh, you know, Laney coming into the season and the contracts, I think dictate that as well. Many would have said Howard is their best player, but Laney has, has improved even from, you know, where she was last year in a lot of ways. So do you, in terms of, you know, those, those four teams that are kind of, you know, in the hunt uh, for those last three spots, you know, Dallas, Phoenix, the Mystics, like where do you think the Liberty are from a talent perspective, you know, to kind of make a run the, the end of the season, you know, schedule, taking the schedule out of it and stuff like that. Do you, do you like any of those teams less than the Liberty or more than the Liberty? I want to say I like Phoenix less just because I think Phoenix is, Sorry, a really boring team. Is that just um, like Mercury fatigue, though? Like, do you like the talent less, or are you just tired of this team? Well, I mean, I think there's a, there's a significant concern in that Diana Trazi is like breaking down right in front of our eyes, and we, yeah. we can use that as a segue to talk about the Mercury next. But um, I think, but Phoenix definitely has the higher end talent upper hand on, on New York. Um, they are, you know, they're they're tied in the stand. I don't know. I, I think the Liberty like. There's just so much of this has to do with, um, I think they're very, very prone to, how do I put this? Missing a ton of outside shots <laughs> and, and getting blown out. But with Allen and Howard coming back there, they, I think they'll be able to kind of feel those, as you like to talk about, the more optimal offensive lineups. You know, like I'm assuming this means less Rashonda Gray, less Liana Odom, less, McKay, less Michaela Onyanwede. I think D.D. Richards just like doesn't need to play, you know? And also Sabrina Unescu, if she's going to be back healthy, you know, that's, that's been discussed. She's had that whole, that whole Olympic month to rest that, that ankle. I believe that was her, her issue. And if she's, if she's healthy and she's doing what she does, that's going to change this team's offense dramatically as well. Yeah. I think, you know, this, this will probably change with Howard back because, you know, she's, she's such a gifted player on both ends, but the first half of the season was essentially dictated on whether or not Sabrina Unescu was an effective player, right? They were a competent, a a competent WNBA team uh, when she was, was doing things out there. And then when she kind of had their stinkers is, you know, that that's when the Liberty would get blown out. Um, You know, Laney is, is going to get her points. You know, she's going to score 18 to to 20 plus every game. And, you know, sometimes it'll be good efficiency. Sometimes it'll just be okay. 
Um, you know, I think Sammy, Sammy Whitcomb, the, the scoring volume isn't always there, but she's a pretty steady player. Um, you know, a, a, a better defensive player than I think I had given her credit for coming into this year. Yeah. Um, you know, Allen probably worse statistically than, than people realize from her, you know, her true shooting and stuff like that. She, she had some really cold games early. Um, but I, I just want to know, like, is this team going to play like somehow I feel like Walt Hopkins has walked the line of always having terrible bench lineups that don't have enough good players and never playing all of his good players together. Like, like the, even when Howard was out, like Allen, Ionescu, Laney, and Whitcomb never played together, but their benches mm-hmm. were still getting absolutely destroyed. So, like, you have to either commit to maximizing your best lineups or minimizing the damage your worst ones are going to put out. And I feel like a lot of times Hopkins was was kind of doing neither. Well, there there are a lot of really bad lineups. Like, uh, I, w- I want to say there was a game. Was it the game against Connecticut where he he ran a lineup of like was it Richards, Odom, Onyenwere, and 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 Shook all at the same time? It's like, what is that? Li- how is that lineup gonna gonna score? Yeah, and then I could be I could be mis- misremembering. No, the, but. We, we've definitely seen similar lineups <laughs> to that. Um, and I, you know, understanding that this this team was missing some depth, but and they don't really have you know a, a backup point guard. Uh, you know, Jasmine Jones is is kind of stepping back into that role um and you know has had some good games and had some bad games but um i it's it like i think that this is a better team than they were in the first half obviously because they have natasha howard back and, and natasha howard rules as a basketball player but yeah. i think the win loss could still kind of come back you know uh to, to to earth a little bit and kind of catch up with the net rating uh in some ways because they they do have a fairly tough schedule depending on kind of how you view phoenix Okay. Well, what do you think about Phoenix? I mean, they're in the hunt. They're, they're what they're nine and 10, but uh, they're, I, I think I'd, I'd still favor them making the playoffs over missing them. Yeah, I do too. I mean, Griner is just having such an, an impressive season, maybe her, her best season in, you know, three or four years. She and is, yeah. I, I just don't know what this team could change, you know, whether it's on the floor or on the roster that is going to kind of change their floor or their ceiling come, come playoff time. Like uh, this team just, is so kind of ingrained in, in kind of what they are at this point that, and I, and I don't think they're boring in the way that they're boring to watch play, but cause they have, you know, Skylar Diggins Smith who rules and Brittany Griner rules and, and Brianna Turner and stuff like that. And they run some really great, interesting sets and stuff, but they're just so boring conceptually because they are so kind of set in stone. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they went it all in, in the off season. Uh, and this is something that is semi-important to me concerning a, a um, like a remainder of the season run, they need to make the playoffs because they have no first round pick in 2022. And it's pretty clear to me anyway, that this is that we're kind of seeing the the twilight of, of, of Diana Tarazi. Um, she's, she's been dealing with a lot of injuries over the past few seasons and in the Olympics, you know, she was uh, favoring that hip it, to me. It, it looked like she wasn't healthy. Um, she was kind of pushing herself there. So they need to go on and they need to, they need to win because if they don't, they're in a tough spot next or in the offseason. I mean, they're going to be a tough spot anyway, but um, I think the one thing I'm looking for, you mentioned Brittany Griner. She's been awesome. And I need to maybe eat a little bit of curl on this because she's been low key, very good at rebounding this year. Maybe. I mean, if you look at the rebounding rate, it's, it's kind of in line with her, her better seasons, not just looking at rebounds per game, but she's back to being that unstoppable offensive force that we saw prior to last season. And she's also playing a ton of minutes. I believe 34, which is her career high. So if you can get two out of the three of Griner, Diggins Smith and Tarazi going 
on any given night, I feel pretty good about the Mercury's chances. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I feel like this team, although they have the high-end talents, it just doesn't seem like they have a championship ceiling. And the other thing is, is like they just have no lineup optionality. Like we've yeah. just, we've proven that kind of their back-end depth just isn't good enough. So you just have to roll with like the six players that can contribute or, or seven players come playoff time that, that can contribute. And if that's not working, then the team's just going to be out of luck, you know? Yeah. The, uh, I think one thing that, you know, that is going to hinge on uh, their, their success is going to hinge on is that uh, is a play of Kia nurse. She's not going to be a high volume player for this team, but they're a different team if she's hitting shots. That's, you know, they're not going to be, you know what you're going to get out of Diggins for the most part, you know, you're, you're going to get out of Griner, but nurse is going to be that third or fourth option that, I mean, she's had some really good shooting games and she's had some really bad shooting games. And if, if they're missing a lot of shots, I don't think they're, in a position where they can grind out a lot of wins. So that's just something that I'm looking for. And then like you mentioned, like the end of the bench, it's like the Cunningham versus Walker. I mean, that's just so, that's just such a, that's just such a low ceiling discussion. It's like, that's not going to change either way. You know, that's not going to, that's not going to change your fortunes either way. So I, I totally agree with what you're saying about optionality and, and not really being able to do anything to change your fortunes. But, you know, with that being said, they just do have the players where you can you can get a, a couple, especially in the the single eliminate. Like, I think what come a five-game series, like this team, I don't think really has any kind of a shot. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to win a couple of those single elimination games, um, you know, you, you got to like their chances as much as anybody just because oh, yeah. they, they have the high-end talent to, uh, to pull an upset. But uh, let's move on to uh, a team that probably will not be playing any single-game uh, <laughs> playoff games uh, or or – one game rounds or what, whatever you want to say, the Seattle storm. Um, how, how are they looking second half from a schedule perspective? Favorable. Um, they've already played Las Vegas three times. They've got three games against both New York and Chicago. Um, but you know, like there's not many, they don't have many like outright bad teams coming up, but they don't have many powerhouses coming up either. Um, I believe they, they've used up all their games against Connecticut as well. So like it's those games against um, it's those games against Minnesota that they still have to play that I think are going to be deciding. But I mean, look at this. I mean, they're already resting Stu Bird and Brianna Stewart in this game against the sky today. So if, if they're already resting two of their star players, yeah, you could talk about Olympic rush, but I mean, come on, they just played a game that, that literally didn't count in the standings. Um, that tells me everything about how they feel about the remainder of the season. Yeah. I do think, um, you know, if things get, I guess a little bit tighter and they, they feel like they are in jeopardy of missing the double buy. They, they might push a little bit harder. Uh, I mean, but they did have like uh, five players that were playing in Japan, like, you know, two weeks ago or something or, or a week and a half ago. Uh, interesting that only two of those players are getting rest, but I guess that's, that's neither here nor there. Very interesting. <laughs> um, I, I think it's been speculated that that Lloyd's uh, chance for a rest game will probably come in New York or something like that. But um, I mean, yeah, this, this team has as good a chance as any uh, in terms of making the, you know, winning the, the championship. I think they, they're they undoubtedly a worse team than they were last year, and, and a lot of other teams are better teams than than they were last year, but this team still has has Jew Lloyd and Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird as kind of that third. I mean, if Sue Bird is your third star, you're, you're looking pretty good, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, you know, 
In terms of just kind of high-end playoff depth, I do have some questions here, you know, uh, more so than with Vegas. Like I, I just like players like, you know, four through seven or four through eight, a little bit more for Vegas than I do for Seattle, but Seattle, they do have some different options, some, some different things they can try. Um, anything from like a rotation or a lineup perspective that you want to see from this team? Not anything that I want to see in particular, but just a, just a big question. Cause if, if they are resting Brianna Stewart, there's, you're not, you don't have a go-to backup for, I mean, I'm assuming they're, they're they would go to like a small, ish lineup of like Samuelson and Kennedy Burke at the four, which I don't love. Um, but I would love it a little bit more than an Ezzy Magbiger Mercedes Russell combination, which I think would just be stupid <laughs> offensively, honestly. Um, I don't know. And you've got Stephanie Talbot in there as well, who's as solid as they come. So what, what would, what do you, what do you think they're going to do? I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, but some things that I would like to see maybe is like more of Talbot in Magbiger playing with, you know, their big three quote unquote, um, it, it really doesn't seem like there's any doubt that when, you know, against the best teams, like they are going to lean more towards Russell uh, as their closing center. You know, she just has the size and strength to hang with, you know, Cam Beige. She was really good against Bree Jones the other night, you know, fouls. Chicago plays with two centers. So it seems like just from a matchup perspective, Russell is, is going to make more sense. But, you know, I think that that lineup with, with Talbot and Ezzy just gives teams a little bit of a different look. I, th- I think maybe Talbot even more so than Magbiger presents uh, someone that could be the best option that they go to in their closing lineup. You know, I think she, she can give you some different things, definitely from a, a spacing perspective than Katie Lou does, but would also like to see more of Katie Lou Samuelson at the four with maybe Stewart at the five and uh, go a little bit smaller. Like Russell has had a great season and, I was just kind of talking about how I think she'll she'll be the closer almost undoubtedly uh, against the best teams. But I, I do I still see like a possibility where Seattle has a hard time scoring against the best defenses, um, you know, with just a, a complete non, I mean, she, she's a good finisher. She's turned into a good finisher. She's cut out of a lot of the floater range shots, which has really helped her efficiency, but she's not a player that you really have to kind of worry about scoring in, in terms of, unless it's, you know, a, a created basket and she's paint bound. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's paint bound. And she's also, you know, she, she did have a kind of one nice post up in that commissioner cup game where she took Bree Jones for a reverse, but you know, you're not worried about Mercedes Russell with the ball. Um, that's, that's exactly right. Um, so yeah, that, uh, how, how often do you think they're going to go with that though? Because I think they're never, very, I think they're never going to go with it. Yeah. Honest. Cause they're very comfortable with Ezzie Magberger and she's been getting better, like right before our eyes. Yeah. And even you know, as he's like, she's hasn't, I don't think given you at least in the W like the, the three point shooting you kind of imagined and, you know, she's like 20 or whatever. So there's plenty of time for that to come around, but uh, she's taken, you know, six threes all season uh, in in the league. So not, not really uh, a bomber out there. No teams, teams, teams aren't going to care about that. Uh, But yeah, Seattle looking great. Even if they're going to be resting, uh, there's some of their stars down the, down the stretch. Uh, I am envious of them. Okay. Almost done. Moving on to Washington. They're in the hunt, Steven. Uh, but there is still, a, there are still a couple big question marks about this team. You know, we know Elena Deladon has been ramping up her work after coming back from back surgery. That's awesome. But I don't think there's still a timetable. There's no timetable for her return. Emma Mieseman still without a contract. We, we kind of hope that would happen after the Olympics, but it has not yet happened. We don't know if it will or not. So what's going on here? Like we, we think if, if, we assume if they bring both players back, 
they're going to have that championship level ceiling, but I think we need to prepare for discussing what happens if they don't. Yeah. They, I mean, the, the nice thing is that if they don't bring, uh, Mesa in back over, they, they have flexibility from a salary perspective. If they want to maybe go get one more piece, like uh, one of those players from Atlanta, whether it's, uh, tip Hayes or, or Odyssey Sims or Courtney Williams, or if, if Atlanta is willing to part with any of those for a reasonable price, uh, Washington can use as much, you know, true WNBA rotation caliber talent a, as they can get, because, you know, they, they have some good players, you know, it hasn't just been Tina Charles by herself, you know, with, with Atkins and cloud, uh, and Leilani Mitchell to some extent. And Maisha hands Allen will start today on, on Sunday. So that's good. Um, but you know this this team just doesn't have a roster full of real contributors at this level, uh, and and that's kind of what I, I'm hoping to see is, is that that roster round out one way or another, whether it's it's Deladon and Misaman coming back, or um, you know just just making a, a move of some kind and um, you know pushing for this this playoff run. But well, I don't know how much how how realistic that is. I guess. Do you think Tina Charles can sustain her level of play? I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, the talent around her is only going to improve. So unless she just has a, a hard time adjusting or the players around her have a hard time adjusting uh, to, you know, whatever those respective roles will be. Um, I mean, she, she's been, there's no reason for me to say no at this point. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think she was going to get to this level. Maybe she won't end up averaging like the most points in WNBA history, but she's still going to be uh, an efficient scorer. I think more, more nights than not. Okay. Um, and that leads me into my next question compared to these other teams that are in the hunt. Is there any reason to like Washington more or less? I mean, you, you kind of already answered that. But. Well, I mean, I think the reason, uh, and it's, it's discouraging now more so than it was maybe a week or, or so ago when things were still up in the air, but Elena Deladon not traveling with the team, but I mean, you know, last time we saw Elena Deladon, she was the MVP and, and a WNBA champion and at worst, the second worst player. I mean, the second best player in the world. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's one reason, uh, they're, they're getting Maisha Hines Allen back who, I mean, honestly, I think is the worst of their four, you know, star bigs, but still better than, uh, you know, Teresa Plaisance and, and the options that they had previously. So, um, I guess just a, a potential influx of talent is, is one reason to, to like them, but I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I think I still, am a little more uneasy on them than, than the other kind of teams, maybe except for the Liberty. Um, but you, you know, Tina Charles has uh, made me look like a fool many times before. So, <laughs> all right. So I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, quick summary, recap, preview, whatever you want to call it of all 12 WBA teams heading into the second major leg of the season. Um, Steven, anything else you wanted to kind of talk about before we sign off here? No, I think, uh, I think we're good. I'm ready to, to watch some, games in person again got a, a string of uh liberty home games to be attending and i mean it sucks that the game that you are going to today is you know less exciting than it was going to be a few hours ago but eh. I, i'll i'll take the uh i'll take the favored win all right well i guess we will we'll talk to you all next week uh thank you all for listening uh please remember if you want to support the show you can rate review subscribe on apple uh Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Double Down WNBA. Uh, hopefully, you all are still listening after an extended uh, Olympic break. But I think it was some some well needed rest for us to kind of reset mm-hmm, from a co- 
from a content perspective. So Eric, it was nice to, to podcast with you again. As always. All right. Take care, everybody.